Amen. Well, the book of Galatians. Paul wrote this book or this epistle from Antioch somewhere around 48 to 55 A.D. It's very interesting because it was shortly before the Jerusalem Council. And you say, what's that all about? Well, what that did was that settled this whole law versus grace controversy that was happening back then. You can read about that in Acts chapter 15. And Galatians is really considered the second book written in the New Testament, the second epistle. The first one was probably James in 45 A.D. And what's interesting, again, is that this was written right before the council, uh, the Jerusalem Council. And the, both of these books, Galatians and James, are dealing with the same thing that the Jerusalem Council dealt with, grace and works. And when you look at it, Galatians approaches it this way, that grace produces holy living. There's a fruit that happens when you are uh, loving Jesus. There's a holy life that is produced. And whereas James is saying this holy life, this right living, is evidence that your faith is genuine. So you see how they work hand in hand with each other. And you can see that at that time in the church, that was a real issue that people were dealing with. And so Paul is addressing it here in the book of Galatians. It was written to churches that he planted on his first missionary journey in Galatia. Say, where's Galatia? It's in modern-day Turkey in that area. So if you're looking to understand where, where, it was, where he was at, that's where he was at. Um, here is the outline of the, God, of the epistle of Galatians. Now, understand this. I put this on the top. The Judaizers' tactic was this. They were going to discredit Paul for who he was. Say, ah, you know, Paul. And then uh, they would attack his concept of the gospel, what he felt the gospel was, and then say, because his gospel was corrupt, it led to corrupt living. So that was the attack plan for the Judaizers as they would go from town to town following after the gospel and trying to corrupt the gospel. And so we see the outline of Galatians as such. Chapters 1 through 2, Paul's defense of his apostleship. Uh, He's saying, general introduction, he had a divine origin of his gospel and his relationship to the other apostles. In chapters 3 through 4, a defense of the gospel of justification by faith. He's saying, no, this is the gospel that I preach. And then we see his personal argument, his scriptural argument, practical argument, sentimental argument, and allegorical argument. And finally, in chapters 5 and 6, it's a call to stand fast in the liberty of the gospel. They were saying you had to do certain things to be qualified as a Christian. And Paul's saying, we are free in Christ. And uh, as we see in in these chapters, a liberty that excludes the necessity of circumcision, a liberty that fulfills the law, a liberty in which one is to be led by the Spirit, a liberty with a sense of responsibility, and finally in chapter 6, his conclusion. So that's the layout of it. We need to understand that Galatians was in response to the Judaizers' heresy. They were basically saying it's the gospel plus... Gospel plus. Uh, In other words, you were saved through faith, yep, but now you need to be perfected in your faith. You needed to be holy by keeping the laws. That's how it happened. It was the process. It was about uh, doing these things in order to be holy. In other words, true Christians, 
if you're really a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will also embrace Judaism. You will also be circumcised if you're a real Jew, because you're talking about Gentiles in here, in the, in generally speaking. But you have to be circumcised. You have to keep all the law, in, uh, in, which included the holidays, the Jewish holidays, which included the food restrictions. Remember that with Paul, with uh, Peter arguing, hey, I can't eat with these guys because they're eating the wrong foods. That was all part of, the, of what these Judaizers were doing. They were coming in and they were saying, it's the gospel plus all these things. That's what you need to do. If you look at it, here's Paul's argument. Now, this is kind of a snappy little epistle. Paul kind of goes at it and he really addresses some things. Take a look at this. Galatians 3, 2 through 3. Let me, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? He's saying this is about faith in God. This is about grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And now you're trying to add, and doing these things. He's saying you, st- you started by faith. And now you're going to perfect, you're going to walk in the flesh. And then in Galatians 5, 6, 2 through 6, Look, I, Paul, say that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. He's bringing them back. He's saying, no, no, it was faith alone. And now these Judaizers come in and say, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the Jewish laws. You have to do all this stuff. And he's saying, no, no, that's not true. It's faith alone. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Irrelevant, guys. It's about, it's about faith working through love. That's why what we find is that Galatians is frequently called the Magna Carta of spiritual emancipation. It's the freedom letter. That's what it's known as. And also, uh, a lot of scholars believe that Galatians was the rough draft for the book of Romans when you follow it. It's very interesting. Well, what Jesus has done is he has set us free from the law as a means of salvation. Okay, hear that. As a means of salvation and free from sin's power. That's what Christ did for us. Take a look again. Chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He's saying, you've been set free by the gospel. Don't be enslaved again to the laws, the law of um, Judaism. In other words, they were free from earning the Father's favor. They didn't have to earn it anymore. They had it. See, that's the heart of a legalist. I have to earn God's favor. I have to pay back God's favor. 
They were freed to live joyfully by grace and not by the law. They were freed. That's what Paul is hammering on here. But the situation is this. And here's where it's easy to cross this line. This becomes muddy. Is that many problems in life started with distorted views of what freedom really is. Ironically, the more we assert self-centered freedom, what do I mean by that? I will do what I want to do when I want to do it without restraint. I'll do what I want to do. That's freedom, right? Freedom is, is, is getting away from being in my parents' home. right? That's what the, the prodigal son thought. Hey, real freedom is getting away from dad and mom. Real freedom is doing what I want to do when I want to do it. That's freedom. Can't wait to move out. Can't wait to have my own place and do what I want to do when I want to do it. Whatever that is. No restraints. But what happens is the more we assert self-centered freedom, it, we can become enslaved to our desires and our lusts and our sin. And what happens is we develop less and less control over our sin until we're powerless to escape it. Take a look. God's word again. John 8.34 Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. This morning in the prayer meeting, I heard a sad, sad story. young girl who not a young girl, but a lady who uh, exercised her freedoms. She decided a long time ago that she would start using drugs, that that was going to be where uh, she was going to exercise some freedom. She started using drugs. She became addicted to drugs. And what happened is she eventually blew out all the veins in her arms. She could no longer uh, inject the drugs in her arms, so she injected them through a vein in her leg, and she got, it got infected. And there's a, there was a while there that they were concerned that they were going to have to amputate her leg. You see, she exercised the freedom. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it without restraint. And then what happens is, is that it slowly, these desires of ours start taking control of us. We think we're exercising freedom, and the whole time we're getting caught in bondage, in slavery. Pornography is another great example of that. I will never, ever forget uh, the uh, interview I saw with uh, Ted Bundy and how he said, yeah, I started with just average pornography. And, you know, it wasn't hurting anybody. It wasn't a big deal. And I got involved in more and more pornography and deeper and deeper and more vicious stuff until the point where he did what he did, which was commit murder. And he was on camera with Dr. Dobson saying, this is where I fell. Don't start. It entraps you. And that's exactly what Scripture is saying. Exactly what Scripture says. Stay away. It starts out with a desire. It starts out with a lust. It's not that big. And then it just keeps building and building and building and building. And all of a sudden you're in this place where you're saying, how did I get here? You got here way back here when you were just exercising this freedom you thought to sin just a little bit. It's not that big of a deal. 
let that lust, let that desire that I have in my life, all of a sudden it takes control, overwhelms you. You see, what was happening with many Galatians is this, that they were freed by Christ, yet they chose to live in bondage to legalism and to sin. They made a choice. Well, the legalists believe this. I will do certain things or I will not do certain things to demonstrate my self-righteousness and how I am worthy of heaven. That's their heart. I'm going to do these things to prove that I am worthy of this gift of grace. That's the heart. Take a look. Again, Galatians chapter 4. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, I love that little shift there. It's about God calling us, drawing us. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You want to go back into slavery? Jesus has set you free? And now you want to go back into slavery? Paul is just confused. I don't get this. Jesus has set you free. And he talks about circumcision and these other things. And he's saying, you, you were set free. And you're willingly going back to be enslaved. It's like when um, President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation and slaves were set free. And some slaves chose to go back into slavery. To, to, no, I want to be a slave. And there were many reasons for that, uh, practical reasons uh, to take care of their family, etc. But that's a picture, a little bit of what was happening here. These people were set free by Jesus and then they were willingly going back into the bondage of legalism. The holidays, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. We can't eat this, we can't eat that. We can't do this, we can't do that. We can't have a tattoo. We can't have a tattoo. I have to do this on this day and not this. And you can't watch this TV show, but you can watch this one. They were all caught up in the do's and the don'ts to prove that they're somehow worthy of heaven. And Paul said, why are you going back into this slavery? The Judaizers suggested that to live by grace meant that you would live a lawless life. You're going to just be a wild man. You're going to just be lead this sinful life if you live by grace, if you live by the freedom that Christ has given you. And in some sense, that's true. People do that. That's the liberalists. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But you see, what they did was this, is, is, here's the heart. Here's the heart. And this is where I think it's going to twinge a couple of us. Here's the heart. It's that they thought by doing the right things or not doing certain things, that they would stay in God's good graces and prevent bad things from happening to them. Oh, the reason I'm sick is because there must be some sin in my life. Maybe you're sick because we live in a fallen world and sin is a part of it. But you see what they were doing? They were saying, I have to live this way and if I live this way, then I earn God's blessings because of the way I'm doing or not doing certain things. And when bad things happen to me, 
It's because I must not be doing the right things. Their basis was, I'm going to earn the grace that was given me. I'm going to earn future blessings by what I do or what I don't do. Now, there's a, a, a tinge of truth in these things. But what happens is we take them to the extreme. That's what a legalist will do. You need to know, brothers and sisters, if you struggle with this, that you are accepted and adopted in Christ. He paid it all on the cross. You are accepted and you are adopted in Christ, not by what you do or what you don't do. You are favored by God now, period. Not because of what you do or don't do, but because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. You're going to say, preaching grace like that and freedom like that is a license to sin. You know what? When you preach grace the right way, it sure does seem that way. But we'll talk about that. Accept the fact that you're adopted. You're a child of the living God. So that you would not, you would understand that you do not live by a perfect performance, but the fact that you are forgiven by God. Christ paid it all. Even when you totally mess up. Oh, now I'm going to be heavily disciplined by God. So that happens at times because God loves us. But we're kind of trying to earn something here. I want to say this. If you're, if you're caught up, if you're caught up in, in this legalism, you need to repent of it. I, I'm, I've been praying and asking the Holy Spirit to show each of us if there's an area in our lives where we're falling into legalism. Because here's why. Legalism strips away the joy of our salvation. It's just duty. It's do and don't do and oh no and whatever. Legalism strips away the joy of our salvation and God wants us to delight in, the, in our salvation, in the gift that He has given us by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. And so repent and return to that joy of your salvation and find a joy of the freedom of following Jesus daily, not being bound by a bunch of laws, rules that you make that somehow make you feel like you're qualified for heaven now, earning back the grace that God has freely given. But what about the opposite, the liberalist? That's the opposite extreme. They rationalize a life of self-indulgence and lusts. That's what a, a liberalist does. Take a look, God's Word again. <coughs> 5.13a For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He's saying, be careful. These legalists, in one sense, have a right idea. They're applying it the wrong way, but if you just live without you know, just any way you want, understand that there's consequences to that. Don't use that freedom for an opportunity to walk in the flesh. And then just a few verses later, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit 
and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I love that statement right there. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7, doesn't he? The thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I keep doing. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. You notice it doesn't say that for, uh, for whatever someone who is lost sows. It says, for whatever one sows. Believer, unbeliever, Jew, Gentile. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He's talking about reaping here. That's where I said, you know, these, these legalists in one sense, there's a, a, a sliver of truth in there. And this person that I told you about earlier, this, this lady, she's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. She's so caught up in her addiction from all these years, she can't break free from it. It's just so sad. We pray for her that God would set her free. You see, free from the law means that we're free from sin's power. Please hear this. To serve Jesus, not ourself. Not ourself. We don't like that. We don't like that. You see, the irony is, is that Christian freedom is used to return to slavery to our desires. I, I could give you an example in my life that I have to be careful for. To say, what? That has nothing to do with what they're talking about. Absolutely. I've been set free from Jesus, free, in Je- free indeed, right? I love old cars. I use this example all the time. I got a 68 GTO. Love that car. Enjoy it so much. Okay, but I can't use that for an opportunity for the flesh where now I walk in pride or I got to have another one. And I got to have another one after that. And I got to. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that 1968 GTO. It's a car. But it can become consuming. That freedom that Christ has given me, that I can hop in that car and say, you know what, I just love driving this thing, and I like it when I drive at 30 miles an hour because it sounds nasty. But that freedom can become an opportunity for the flesh. Well, now I'm going to walk in pride, and I'm going to go to all these car shows, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And you see what he's saying here? He's saying, be careful, Dan. Do not let the freedom that Christ has given you turn into an opportunity for the flesh. He's saying these things, some of these things aren't sin, they're good things, but they become obsessions with us. Collecting cards. Football, baseball, whatever. And, you know, is there anything wrong with it? Not necessarily. But all of a sudden you're so consumed with that. You don't have time for the family. You're taking money and putting it aside. Taking it from there instead of the family. You say these are good things, the freedom that Christ has given us, but become opportunity for the flesh. Can lead to sin. Some of it is sin. We know it's sin, and we just keep playing with it. You see, the root issue of this type of unscriptural freedom is this it's a lack of faith and trust in God. 
Because here's what we're saying. If I don't do whatever I want to do, I won't be happy. You see, that's where I'll be fulfilled. In that thing, in that activity, in whatever. I was watching a show the other day, uh, The Toys That Made America, and they were talking about some crazy money that people were paying for cards. It was, it was just ridiculous. And the guy made an interesting statement. He said, I just had to have it. Paid $1.5 million for one card. I just had to have it. And he didn't mind because he has all kinds of money. But he doesn't care. And I thought, what? And we say, well, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Well, no, you won't do that because you don't have $1.5 million to blow on that. But you do have money. And you see what I'm saying? It's so easy to get caught up in that. You see, a Christian who lives in true biblical freedom by faith understands that grace is not a free pass to sin, but an opportunity to live holy with forgiveness when we sin. You see, Jesus set us free from the power of sin when he died on the cross. He set us free. He wants to be our satisfaction. He wants to be our joy. He wants to be our all in all. He wants to be that for us. Not a trip to uh, Italy. And our whole life is so involved. And there's nothing wrong with that. And go. But if our life is obsessed with these things and they become controlling, then what happens is our freedom has become an opportunity for the flesh. Do we want to glorify God? Do we want to honor Him in everything we say, do, and think? See, that's a, that's a big pull, isn't it, Dan? I go, yeah, I'd say, yeah. But is that our desire? Is that our New Year's resolution? Wow. You see, it's this understanding that we're forgiven. That, you know what? I'm going to pursue holiness and not self-indulgence, which could or could not be sin at the time. I want to pursue holiness. I want to pursue those things that make me more like Jesus. I really do, God. But we can't do that in our own strength. I can't. If you can, tell me how you do it. But the Word of God says we can't. So I need to lean upon the Holy Spirit and ask Him for the strength to live as sinlessly as possible with as much delight in Jesus, more so than a football card or a car or a trip or whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. And knowing this, brothers and sisters, that when we sin, you know, if I've, I've preached here and you're feeling the, the pang of conviction by the Holy Spirit, when we sin, remember that God doesn't love you less. Isn't that incredible? You're sitting here and you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit maybe in a certain area of your life. And then preacher Dan comes and says, and guess what? God doesn't love you less. You see, that's the amazing thing about grace. That's the amazing thing about our Savior. Is that we don't earn His grace. We don't earn His favor. We already have it. And He delights in you because you're His child. And that will never change. 
He delights in you. So when you sin, remember that God does not love you less because you're his child. You're adopted. You're accepted into the family. And obviously I'm talking about believers in the Lord Jesus Christ where you're putting your hope not in your works outweighing, your good works outweighing your bad, but rather in God's grace only. Only God's grace in faith only. In Jesus only. All that he did for us in his life, death, and resurrection. That's where our hope is. That we're made right with God. Not the things we do or don't do. And the good and the bad outweighing, etc., etc. None of that. We're basing it on Christ. But you know what? As believers, it's a fine line not to live as if anything goes. But not to fall into legalism either. That can be a tough line to find. Where is that? Somewhere between license and legalism is true Christian liberty. is a freedom in Christ that Paul is talking about here in Galatians. Freedom is loving others with Christ-like selflessness. See, it's really putting others before ourselves. And when we talk about all these other things that are good things that get in the way, many times we put ourselves ahead of others. We don't have time to spend serving others and loving others and etc., etc., because we're so consumed with what we're doing in our life that we don't have time for others. Again, freedom is loving others with Christ-like selflessness and living without fear that our performance is counted against us. That is a great freedom. You see, the call to freedom and the call to love are synonymous. Take a look at God's Word. Galatians, same call. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. The, the other half of that verse that we read. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not your, use your freedom as an opportunity. That Greek word means this, starting point, base of operations for a military mission, springboard. So in other words, do not use your freedom as an opportunity, as a springboard for the flesh. But through love, that word is the agape love. Okay. Serve, that word means it refers to service of a slave. So we're no longer under bondage to sin. We're slaves to Christ. Serve one another, for the whole of the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Bingo. Where's the balance? How is it? It's a call to serve one another, to love one another. That's where we seem to find the sweet spot many times between legalism and license. In Galatians 6, 9 through 10, following 7 and 8, whatever man sows, that will he reap. Okay? And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, there's that word again, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the house of faith, especially believers. You see, with this new life from God and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, love can be produced in our hearts. We can not be selfish because of the work of the Spirit within us. We cannot be selfish. That's amazing. 
And because Christ has broken the power of sin, we can pursue holiness, which we couldn't do before. We can pursue holiness and delight in right living without this world consuming us with new life from God and indwelling his, in His indwelling spirit. Love can be produced in the hearts that is expressed in loving acts. You see, others will be served and loved, not treated as things to be used and abused. And that's where we can slip into things, can't we? We have a prayer request to a brother or sister who happens to be wealthy, and our prayer request is about a specific need financial need in particular. Isn't it interesting how there can be a manipulation even in the body of Christ? I remember uh, there was a, uh, a church that I was a part of and it was amazing how, how some people would do that. They knew that certain people were wealthy within the congregation and they'd just make sure that they understood their prayer request. Hey, I'm really praying and believing God for such and such and such and such. And, you know, I, and, and, I'm, just, and I'm thinking, you're trying to manipulate them. You're trying to do exactly what, uh, what we're talking about here. They're abusing a brother and sister in Christ. They're, they're taking what God has given them and trying to use them for their own personal whatever. And what happens that when God is working this mighty work in the body of Christ, we don't look at brothers and sisters and people as somebody to use or abuse. But instead, somebody that we can love and serve. And that's different. That's a whole different ballgame. That's something that the world doesn't know today, that the church should be modeling. And if we, by God's grace, can do that within these small little walls of this church to really love and serve each other, then what will happen is it will be a witness to the world that what they got is real. And I want that. You see, the call to freedom is a call to live the Christian life the exact same way you started it, brothers and sisters. We live the Christian life the same way we started the Christian life, by a work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. I go back to the verse that I began with. Look at this. Galatians 3, 2-3. Let me ask you this, Lacrescent Free. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or hearing with faith? How did, you, how did you come to know Jesus? How did you receive salvation? It was through a work of faith, God. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Is that what you do? I don't know. And then in Galatians 5, 22 through 24, a continuing on. You knew I had to get to these verses, right? How can you preach Galatians without getting to these? Galatians 5, 22 through 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's about taking our freedoms to the extreme. The flesh, the desires of it are crucified. We desire the things of God more than our own selfish desires that we think we'll find happiness in, and many times we don't. Brothers and sisters, grace is a never-ending work. Please hear this. It is a never-ending work. 
It's God's work for us in the past through justification or our salvation. It's God's work in the present, sanctification or as he's making us more like Jesus. And it's God's work in the future and glorification, what we will receive, this beautiful gift that we don't deserve. It'll be amazing. You see, the Holy Spirit will enable us to obey God's will. The Holy Spirit will enable us to live in a way that brings God glory, that is not by license or by legalism. And the Holy Spirit will produce fruit in us and through us because this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That is both pleasing to God and beneficial for this present life. You see, that's what I want in 2024. That's my New Year's resolution. And not just 2024, but beyond. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. That's the fruit of living in the freedom of Christ. Not in legalism or license, but in the sweet spot of loving my brothers and sisters and serving them. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and um, by your spirit, you moved through the preaching of your word. We just believe that by faith. And Lord, there were probably different times throughout this message where you convicted us, maybe pricked our hearts in areas where we're just walking in legalism. And I pray that you would bring repentance and you would bring a freedom and that you would return the joy of our salvation. God, if there's areas where we're just taking too much license, we've maybe a good thing that has become a bad thing because it's controlled us too much. Taking away and stealing from the best because we're spending time with good things stubbornly pursued. God, would you show us those things? And would you cause our delight to be in you, Lord Jesus, instead of the things of this world? Help us to know deep in our hearts, God, that we have your favor. We don't have to earn it. And God, that we would delight in it and find our, find our joy in you, Lord. Find our satisfaction and our fulfillment in you, Lord Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' precious and beautiful name. Amen.